here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Mr. Cartwheel Deathmatch himself, David McDonald. How are you? I am good. Uh, I did throw one out, didn't I? Uh, uh, I'm 2-0 in the, in the Cartwheel Deathmatch. I know we had an impromptu one. Uh, it, was, it just felt like the right thing to do at the moment. And uh, again, 2-0 on the uh, Cartwheel Deathmatch. Not only did Tai Chi not... Uh, produce but neither did Jim Ross so uh we are we're feeling good about ourselves here on the Jcast. first question I got here is from our good friend over at post wrestling WH Park who I will be sitting next to at Wrestle Kingdom 13 very excited about that uh he's asked me how's the Korean barbecue because as you may know I'm in the middle of my holiday uh, my mid-autumn holiday in Korea I'm in Seoul and nice you know I'm Ashamed to say, I haven't had any Korean barbecue yet. Wow. I've had lots of other good stuff. Today, I had fried chicken twice, which that wasn't good. deliberate. Mali loves to have KFC wherever we go to a foreign country. She wants to try the KFC to see if it's different, to see if it's as good as Thai KFC, because Thai KFC is the fucking bomb. It's amazing. And it's not just the food. It's the little touches as well. You get a plate with a knife and fork and a, a glass full of ice. Like It's a very civilized affair at Thai KFC. So she likes to test the waters when we go abroad. And we ended up just dipping our toes into KFC for lunch and just seeing what it was like. And then we went out with some friends for dinner and they said, oh, how about we have some Korean fried chicken and beer? And we were like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> we, we didn't want to be fussy, but mm-hmm. you know, having fried chicken twice in a day is not necessarily a bad thing, is it? But um, no. Anyway, I, I am stuck in this little hotel room. Mally's out shopping at the moment, so she is going to come back at some point. So... There will be some problems. There's going to be a bit of noise. There might be an angry wife involved. Again, lots of problems. But I'll tell you this. The internet isn't going to be one of them. Because Korean internet is very, very good. So I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, you haven't, you've you never sounded better um, quality-wise, sound quality-wise. So, uh, uh, yeah, we can, if we can work something out there. We're always worried about the, as I uh, sang... If, if anybody didn't catch the Easter egg on a, it wasn't the last show, it was the other one. Um, I, you know, I got I to gotta entertain myself while I wait for Joel to kind of get his internet connection back. So, you know, I'm still rolling on my end. And so, you know, a song comes in my mind and in my heart. And uh, that's where we got our little Easter egg. At the, how did it go again, Joe? Chinese internet. Chinese internet. I don't, I don't, I think it's how it went. Uh, but no, two double, double fried chicken. That's a, that's a good day, right? That's a, I mean, so what's the difference? Is it is it any different? Um, spicier, I'm going to gather. 
sauces, good sauces. Mm. I there was one that was kind of like a sort of spicy barbecue sauce, and one that was like kind of like a, a garlicky soy mm. glaze. So I would say that's what made it stand out. And also, one Korean dish I really like is called dopoki, which are like these little chewy rice cakes. And they had those at KFC, except they were like deep fried. They were battered, and they were almost like little donuts. It was delicious. See, that's the difference between you over there and me over here is that the quality of fast food is like head and shoulders above the absolute dog food that we get down here. Um, it is the, the fast food here is unfit for human consumption. Like our KFC is just a greasy, fat laden, sloppy hunk of chicken, right? It's, it's not great. And, and, and small pieces and it's just like just not a satisfying experience at all um and and the uk has the nandos oh we don't have a fucking nandos i mean maybe in new york city we do but that's about it um i will Ooh, say should that we, we have a nandos then when we meet up in new york have a little cheeky <sighs> nandos i would do it i would i mean look i'm all I, I, anywhere i mean i was going to take you out to a nice dinner though you know i was going to be my treat uh, you know you and the missus and 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 to take you out on a, on a nice dinner but if you want I'll nandos lobster, we can please. Do... lobster and oh, champagne right. well listen let me let me save some more pennies <laughs> let me refine my house and then uh, we'll uh, uh work on that but yeah i was going to take you guys out to dinner so well um, i'll say this damon if the uh pro wrestling tease money keeps rolling in at the rate it is then we're gonna have no problems funding our lavish lifestyle oh i mean it is actually i'm surprised at even the amount of people that we have so far it's always great like i'll just check it maybe once every two days or something i get and just when i see new names and yes we can see names of people who buy um so fyi people uh so it, it is it's it's really uh, a nice thing that people would invest the $19.99 plus shipping uh, at prowrestlingtees.com slash superjcast for a, a t-shirt. And um, many people have, and I'm hoping more people do in the very near future. Well, speaking of the t-shirts, Floyd has a Super Jcast t-shirt challenge for us. He says, if we can go the whole show without taking any shots at the WWE or Vince or booking anything like that, he'll buy two of our shirts. So which one should he buy, Damon? I mean, listen. I, for for me, I'm 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 I lean hard toward the logo. I think the logo is sharp and it and it does what it needs to do and it helps promote us. And uh, I am a huge fan of of the uh, Strong Zero, no doubt. And and so are our listeners. They're 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 neck and neck with the logo. Um, the the crisp one is a little little behind, a little behind. But um, you know what? If 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 they did a logo and a and a and a strong zero one, I think those are uh, tight. You look sharp, and the ladies, oh, the ladies will uh, think you're awfully handsome in those t-shirts. So I'll go there. And here's the thing: that that, this, that, that is the easiest challenge of the week for me. I mean, yeah, because we can edit it out in post production. So. <laughs> well, number one, right? But even if we were honest, honest people. Um, I mean, there's so much to talk about uh, with uh, the promotion that we uh, talk about mostly. So uh, yeah, I'm not even I'm not even concerned a wee bit on that one. So I look forward to the purchase, and we can see. So uh, we'll make sure that he is good on the bet. At Hamrat Hiss has translated some of the Hiromu Takahashi Twitter Q and A that he did, and here's a good one. 
The question is, do you have any secrets that you wouldn't tell Naito? And Hiromu answers, I spilled a whole can of Coke in the backseat of Naito's car. So, <laughs> Damon, on these lines, do you have any dark secrets like that that you can share with us? Wow. Um, hmm. Uh... Dark secrets um, that I would or, want to share with the beverage related <laughs> secrets. Oh, I've spilled that. You know what I do? Okay, this is gross. I'll, I'll share this one. This is a gross habit that I do have, right? And I might be judged by this one and I might be shamed for this one, but I'm the fucking animal that I, I have a small biting of the fingernails thing going on, right? And I've had it all my life, right? So I, I do bite my fingernails. They're not like gnawed to the bone, but when they get a little bit long, there's nothing better than just kind of picking and picking and picking and picking, right? But I am the fucking, the, the, the absolute ghoul who leaves their fingernails fucking anywhere, right? So my wife will vacuum. And she's a very good vacuumer, by the way. She's like not like me. Like when I vacuum, I just do the things that people would normally see, like in the areas people would normally see. She moves couches <laughs> to vacuum. I don't. Couches are there to hide imperfections. Um, there was one time where she pulled out the couch. <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed right now. And there were, I'll say, a good. 20 to 30 fingernails that were behind the couch. Uh, and she just looked at me with the most disgusted look a human being could look at another human being. And I had, I had no response. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I just was just like, well, you want me to buy your purse? <laughs> Listen, but, <laughs> between the... The weird church bells and the strange decorative pillows and your little mm-hmm. piles of fingernails. I don't want to come to your house anymore. Oh, see, I didn't want that to happen. Um, uh, it's look, I, my wife keeps a very clean house, she, and, and I say that in, in a way of not like a, a fucking Mrs. Brady kind of thing. I mean, she's just, just that's the way she wants a house to be kept, and whether I'm doing it or she's doing it or combination of it, that's that's the way she wants it done. So. Uh, I would say you could eat off the floors. Just don't go behind the couch. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I've stopped that habit, but I have at least behind the couch. But, yeah, I might be the guy that, like, you'd be like, what the fuck is that? So, okay, uh, everyone can shame me now publicly. Thank you. All right, well, sticking with the uh, LIJ theme, let's get straight into it. So they put a little video up on YouTube today. Um, how fucking cool are these guys? You've seen the video with Naito and the boys in the little casino dressed up smartly. Oh my goodness, like, coolest guys in the world. Anyway, uh, they said that they are going to debut their sixth member at King of Pro Wrestling and in uh, an eight-man tag match. We're going to break down the King of Pro Wrestling card later on, but there's been a bit of exciting news on movers and shakers in Japan in the wrestling scene, which has definitely shuffled around some of the predictions that I had for who this mysterious X character could be joining LIJ because we saw earlier on this evening the debut of Pac uh, Mr. Neville in Dragon Gate so he appeared in Dragon Mm. Gate and he attacked Shingo Takagi so that doesn't necessarily rule Pac or Neville out of New Japan long term I think certainly the door's open for him if he does want to go there eventually but personally I think this is a really exciting move for him certainly it makes me want to tune into some Dragon Gate which is can only be a good thing and 
Um, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if New Japan doesn't recruit all the hottest foreign talent, dare I say it. You know, I, am I completely out to lunch to say that I would be more excited about domestic talent, let's say uh, a Shingo joining New Japan, than a Neville? So a lot of people are suggesting that it could be Shingo who's joining uh, LIJ because he was also a Animal Hamaguchi Dojo guy along with Evil and Naito. Bushi was a Hamaguchi guy as well. Uh, he said he wants to go freelance and work internationally, uh, but um, Taiji Shimori said a similar thing and was just no. basically lying to backdoor his way into New Japan. So we could have a similar deal going on here. People are saying he doesn't necessarily fit the LIJ gimmick, Shingo. Uh, some people have thought it might be Kawato, who's doing pretty badly in CMLL for what I hear. And he's only been there seven months, so I think it's probably a bit too short to have Kawato come back from excursion. Uh, could be another CMLL guy. It's not going to be Dragon Lee, because apparently Dragon Lee is on a beach somewhere doing a reality TV show uh, in Mexico. Uh, some people have suggested existing New Japan guys. It could be a Taichi, it could be a Yoshihashi, maybe a Jeff Cobb. Could mm. even be, a lot of people are suggesting Yo, because there's a bit of history between Yo and LIJ. Naito is trying to recruit him. But Yo is on the opposite side in this eight-man tag, so I don't think it is going to be Yo. So, Damon, knife to your throat. <laughs> Who is the new LIJ guy? Uh, I, I would say... Uh easy odds the the safe odds to me is is a shingo um with secondary options being um kuato um that's what that's where i would kind of place my bets i don't think it's going to be anyone wacky like a like a jeff cobb i don't think it's going to be anybody um currently in new japan turning or joining a stable although um I mean, it might be a further step in in maybe thinning out chaos even further, but I doubt it. Um, I think you're looking at low percentages there. So again, I do think it's a new person uh, to the New Japan roster. Um, and again, it doesn't necessarily 100% eliminate the idea that Neville would or Pac or whatever we, we want to call him um, is out of the question, right? It, but... I think with him in Dragon Gate and debuting for Dragon Gate, it and again, pretty much, if I'm not mistaken, looking at the images, and again, I just had a, a quick glance at them, um, he was involved in, in Shingo's last match. So it, 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 would be, it would be odd for him to now debut at King of Pro Wrestling. Now, I will say this, though. It is, it is a coincidence that he is in Japan now, right? This could have happened weeks ago, right? It feels like. Uh, but now is the time that he he debuted right around the corner from King of Pro Wrestling. So speculation, I'm sure, has run rampant that he's already there, for Christ's sake. I still doubt it, though. Um, so that's what I'll go with with the safe bet uh, come debut time at King of Pro Wrestling. And it's it's weird to me. And I'll ask you this, Joel. Is that a, I wouldn't say a smart move, but does, does a move for Neville going to Dragon Gate uh, a weird thing to see? Because I, I think if you polled 
a lot of our listeners and fans of New Japan, you, you would think that he would be easy peasy New Japan product at this point. No, I'm not surprised. And the reason I'm not is because Joe Lanza did an excellent breakdown a few weeks ago on Pac's path to success. And he laid out an amazing business plan for uh, Pac to maximize his uh, position and get as much money as he can. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the very first thing that Joe Lanza said that Pac should do would be return to Dragon Gate. Because obviously he's got history there. So... I personally, I think it's a smart move, and I think it's an exciting move, and um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing some Dragon Gate. I don't know what are you feeling. No, I do. I think it's. A, I think it's a. a, a, a let's put it this way: it does shake things up there. It does make the product that much more interesting. I'm sure they're, they're they are going to get more eyeballs. Um, and for him as a, as a rebuild, and again, I think I don't even think he needs necessarily a rebuild. I don't think he needs a reboot. I don't think people are uh, unfamiliar with him if he showed up in a New Japan ring. Um, I just think the stage is a little bit bigger. So I don't know why we would need a reset or a reboot or a uh, uh, to try to gain back steam. I think he could show up in any ring and it would benefit him. So why not be on the largest stage? That's the only question I had. Yeah, I, obviously he's not locked into Dragon Gate forever and certainly it's raised a few eyebrows given the state of affairs over there that it's not the most successful company in the world for him to be starting off in. But as a, a starting point on an exciting journey that I'm sure Pac is going to have over the next couple of years, uh, I think it's absolutely fine. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's to me, it's it's, it's an interesting move, right? It's, you know... Again, he could have he could very easily have shown up at at King of Pro Wrestling or wh- where what have you and challenged somebody or you know wh- whatever, uh, and that easily could have been a, the launching point for him to kind of get back in the ring. Uh, the, but the Dragon Gate one to me is an interesting one in the sense that it it he he would be a big fish in a smaller pond. That's for darn sure, and he'll have the opportunity to be. A big fish in in a small pond with Dragon Gate. Uh, Dragon Gate needs him more than New Japan does, right? I think yeah. we both can. I think everybody can agree with that. Yeah. So he can establish himself as a huge star in Dragon Gate, like the big fish in the small pond. And again, it wouldn't shock me if he was announced for Wrestle Kingdom at Power Struggle. I mean, that wouldn't be totally out of the question. Uh, I don't think it will happen that quickly, but uh, yeah, I. I don't necessarily think that's set in stone that he's going to be exclusive to Dragon Gate for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I think it's a stop in, in the journey. And and like I said, I you know we're talking about it, and I think it's it's you know we're talking first time I can remember ever touching on Dragon Gate. Right? We I mean we don't do a lot of hopping around the uh the wrestling world per se but we do mention other promotions at other times um you know we're talking dragon gate a little bit right so i'm sure that there are plenty of people listening to this this podcast that may have never even watched the dragon gate show let's be truthful and this might be the first opportunity to get new eyeballs on the product so i think it's a win-win for everybody um and you know i think new japan can can manage without having pock show up and 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 do what he does best. I think I think they'll be okay. Dragon Gate will will definitely see a boost, 
uh, and it might be the spark plug that he needs to kind of you know re-energize his career. Great. So uh, moving on, Andrew Rich uh, put this out. Here's a list of non-Young Line NJPW wrestlers who have yet to be on a New Japan USA show. This is a New Japan only show, so not cross-promote mm. with other organizations. Uh, Kojima, Tenzan, Nagata, Nakanishi, Makabe, Honma, Taichi, Taka, Izuka, Desperado, Kanemaru, Hinari, Ishimori, Tiger Mask. Ben pointed out that interestingly, Kojima, Nagata, Taichi, Izuka, Desperado, Kanemaru, Ishimori and Tiger Mask have all been to the UK this year for NJPW slash RevPro events. So given those listed names that I've mentioned who have been omitted from the recent New Japan US offerings... Looking back on the Fighting Spirit Unleashed show, did that show feel more like ROH Japan to you than NJPW? It always has. Every one of those shows have, right? And and I can understand from an expense point of view. And you know, you know, I I mean, I don't know the 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 logistics involved in having somebody work a pro wrestling show in the United States and being a Japanese citizen. I know how difficult it is for some people to get into the country, right? It feels like uh, with visas and all that stuff. And, and, but again, I don't know exactly how all that works. So I, I don't know. And maybe those older gentlemen that you rattled off there and some of the younger ones, they, maybe they just not interested in going through the, the hoops to do that. I, I, I can't answer that. Maybe they just um, can't get enough of Nando's. That's why they like going to the UK. Ah, listen, you know, truth be told, if if I'm doing In and Out Burger versus Nando's, I'm doing Nando's absolutely. Um, eh, they've always felt like it, like uh, it's. I, I'm sorry, and I and I know people are not going to like me saying this. None of these shows feel like a New Japan show. None of them do. Now that might be the crowd. That might be the talent that's brought over. That might be the the production right it, it could be a combination of all these things but i've yet to go to any of these shows and again even when they're like they are ring of honor cross promoted new japan shows or even when it's just new japan pro wrestling on the ticket stub i've yet to feel that i've been to a new japan show i've always felt like it was some westernization Americanization of the New Japan product that didn't feel authentic. There was a huge difference between going to Long Beach, and I'm not knocking the Long Beach experience, but it's not the same as going to, I don't know, Cork and Hall, or going to Fukuoka, or going to Kobe, or, you know, or you know, wherever. It really doesn't feel the same. And again, that could be the crowd, that could be the audience, that could be the production, whatever it is, it just doesn't feel like you're getting an authentic New Japan show. And I really hope, I really hope that that's not the case when it comes to this Madison Square Garden show, but it's going to be because it is cross-promoted with Ring of Honor. So a, a shoulder shrug, I'm sorry, I, 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 I don't feel it. And, and, I, and I think... What we saw in Long Beach this past couple of days, I think that kind of speaks to that. Yeah, there was a very interesting interview with Okada that they put up on the website last week. This was before the Fighting Spirit Unleashed show. 
So I'll read an excerpt from this. Okada says, But the one thing I will say, and I felt this about the Kenny versus Cody match at Strong Style Evolve, since it is on a New Japan show, I'm not a fan of putting together cars that you could normally see in America. To be honest, Cody versus Kenny, that's a match you could see on an American show. The interviewer then says, and it did happen in ROH. What you're saying is you want distinctly New Japan cards in America. And then Okada replies, Right, cards that make you say, now this is NJPW. To me, I think we should be showing the American fans what this thing called New Japan Pro Wrestling is. And to me, Damon, he's exactly right. Bang on yep. the money there. I agree with him 1,000%. It's and, and again, he's speaking the same thing I'm saying, is that, yes, there's a, there's a Lion Mark logo. Yes, there is the gold and the red. Yes, there is, you know, the the uh, you know intermission. You know, dun, 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 you hear it every you know New Japan show. Yes, ring announcements are are made in Japanese. Yes, uh, the 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 ring skirt has the logo and it and it looks the same. But aside from that, it's it just doesn't feel like it's a legitimate 100% New Japan Pro Wrestling show from the booking to the matchmaking to even the style to a certain degree. You know, you look back at that Long Beach show, and again, we're going to dive deeper into it. To me, it wasn't until the main event that I really felt like I was watching a New Japan Pro Wrestling show. Um, to certain degrees, I felt like that in, during the, 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 the tag title match. Anywhere else, it kind of felt like I was at a really good, strong, American, independent pro wrestling show. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just kind of saying it just doesn't feel doesn't feel like we're getting a real deal. It feels like we're getting a cover band. It feels like I'm getting a tribute band. <laughs> you know what I mean? It feels like I'm getting a tribute band when, you know, it's not like, you know, but like when I talk about going to see tribute bands, I'm going, and usually the bands that they're the tribute act... You know, they're long past their prime, so I'm kind of seeing a tribute band perform as if they were at their peak. New Japan is at its peak. Give me the peak. Give me the give me the legitimate real deal. I don't need a watered down version. I feel like that's what we get when when they come to the states. Now, looking on a global scale for New Japan, so not just this Fighting Spirit Unleashed card, and not just the U.S. shows talking about all their shows we've got a question from travis he says why is njpw starting to feel more like a western promotion now so damon do you feel that this yep. westernization is starting to bleed over to the domestic shows too yes look i can't tell you how many people have complained to me in the past week about the direction that new japan is in and it, it's been this way for a little bit, but I think the breaking point is this Long Beach show. It's kind of like, what, what, what's, what, what exactly is happening? Now, you hear that mostly from fans that have invested a little bit of time into the product, right? You don't necessarily hear that from the newest of new fans. But even those people that that are in communication with me are, do have their reservations and do have their concerns. Look at the roster right now and look at who's carrying gold. Right? Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes. And these are New Japan titles, mind you. Uh, and again, this is a U.S. title where no Japanese has held it, but okay. Uh, tag titles, 
Well, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is your Intercontinental Champion. And G.O.D. And, right, I mean, listen, the, the junior tag belts and the never title are the, as I said, that's a, that, there's, your, there's your Japanese representation. It's, it is, to me, it's concerning. I'm not going to lie. To me, personally, I, I'm not a fan of this. Uh, this is not really what I, I signed up for. Um, I'm not, and again, I've been patient with it, and I've been, you know, okay, and it's not going to be that bad. It's not going to lead down a road that we don't want to be on. It's, you know, I don't know. You look at you just just the, those names again. Those names are at the top of the card. That's that. I don't know if I'm if I'm into that. That's not what I signed up for. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way at the moment. I mean, I'd even go so far to say. How awesome would it be if we get like Shibata coming back, leading a, a squad of Inokius to just start destroying everyone and take the company back to basics? That would shake things up nicely. I mean, I want to ask you this: Do you think this has got anything to do with Harold May? Do you think he is driving the company in this direction, or do you think he's just a, a figurehead for someone else pulling the strings and making this sort of stuff? I mean, do you think Gado's still booking this stuff, or, or yeah. what, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I, I think it's. I don't think he has anything to do with the actual in-ring product. I, I hope not, because I don't want this to be like a Jerry Jones situation, for those of you who follow American football and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and for those who don't, let me briefly explain. He Jerry Jones owns the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the problem is, is that anybody he hires to run the Dallas Cowboys, you know, it's really almost to a certain degree a figurehead because Jerry Jones wants what Jerry Jones wants, and it doesn't matter what happened, what they think. Um, I don't want that to be the case. I don't believe that to be the case, and I'll go so far as to say it's not the case. I will say this, though. Again, people put a lot of faith in Gato and and what he's been able to accomplish and and, and you know, a lot of the credit for the success has fallen on his shoulders, and, and rightfully so. And, and that, that's not to say that along the way there have been miscues and misfires and you know somewhat ignoring of certain divisions in the company. And you know, we'd all know the faults, but you know, by and large, I would say he had more hits than he has had misses. I mean, more impactful hits, let me just say, than he's had impactful misses. Right. But there is a shelf life to any good booker. I truly believe in that. And that might be a bit of an old guy mentality. But usually, create creatively, people really only have about a three or four, maybe a five-year run, right? And, 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 you know, I don't know if he's relying too heavily on this, what he feels is is important to a western audience. Joe, I've had more I've had three people who live in Japan and who talk to Japanese pro wrestling fans often. And the feedback that I got was they are fucking hand-waving it. Now, again, these are fans that have put in time. They've been through every up and down and nook and cranny of the promotion. They're not having this shit. They really aren't happy. And it was kind of surprising to me that it was that, I don't want to say venomous, but it was passionate that what the fuck 
is going on was really the the basic gist of it in in a very polite way <laughs> um and and that's them over there and 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 and, and me and and people like me that were kind of like what the hell i mean i i i, I don't, again it's 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 it is troubling it is concerning to me that that this is where we are within the promotion and again that can change that that can the direction can change I don't know if I'm feeling it as much as I should be feeling it right now. And that's that's telling to me. Yeah, I totally share your concerns as well. Exactly the phrase that you said. This is not what I signed up for. When I started watching it all the way, relatively recently, Wrestle Kingdom 11, seeing matches like Hiromu against Kushida, Goto against Shibata, Naito against Tanahashi, those were the matches that got me excited in the promotion, not seeing a load of ROH guys working the shows and holding all the titles. So yeah, it it is something that's worrying to me as well, but I think ghetto has earned the benefit of the doubt on this one and we'll give him a chance to let things play out and see where we stand six months down the line, because we could be looking at a very different picture, but uh, let's get into this fighting spirit unleashed show. Uh, Let's talk about the attendance first of all, because there were quite a few chunks of empty seats. Uh, It looked a bit more full later on. I'm sure a lot of people were stuck in the merch lines early on, but then new Japan announced a crowd of 3,007 altogether, which is a bad number, which is a down significantly from the last time they ran the same building. So what do you attribute that to? I mean, we, we, I think that's simple. I mean, we we barely talked about it. We didn't know a show. We couldn't help the promotion, for crying out loud, you know, in hyping people up for a card because we were kind of like, ah, yeah, there is a show in Long Beach. And, yeah, we do know one match, and we sort of know two matches. And then, you know, a week before the show, you you still don't know. Um, so that was concerning. Yeah, and and that's not like uh, you know we're down a hundred where we didn't break even from the last numbers. They they that was like a thirteen hundred uh, number that that they went down that they fell, um, and it looked not great on television. That's for sure. Uh, again, the building because Long Beach is the you know the colors of uh, what yellow and black is it or yellow and uh, for the for the the team the, the college that goes there, the university. Um. So it stood out pretty bad, those, those empty seats, uh, which, again, didn't look good. But I will say this about the crowd that did attend. They were ravenous. They were up for it, and they looked like they were there to have a good time, which was, that, which was helpful because if that was a crowd that just didn't feel up to making a lot of noise, that could have, been, that could have made a, a really good good show down a peg or two just because it would have been really noticeable uh, if, if they were quiet yeah and this was a really good show let's not mm-hmm. make yep. any mistake about that this was really enjoyable so I, I don't want to be completely negative on it and one of the positives actually i think was the commentary uh we've got a comment here from at rbx 2000s surely k squared has announced with the year sewn up after getting a performance out of jr that wasn't an absolute train wreck and I felt the same way. I thought uh, Kevin Kelly did an excellent job reining in some of JR's worst tendencies because last time I felt JR and Josh Barnett just um, not wound each other up, but just sort of played off each other's uh, things that they disliked about the style and uh, just basically dragged each other down. 
because there was yeah, they, they moments... fed off each other. Yeah, they yes. fed off each other. Yeah, it was just a big circle of, uh, you know, poor football analogies, poor '90s and '80s wrestling analogies, and uh, yeah, they just kind of circle jerked. Yeah, yeah, they were just bitching about the show for the the second half of it. And Jr. is someone who does seem to get grumpier as the night goes on. He gets tired or hungry or whatever, and. Josh Barnett did nothing to help that. He made it worse. But Kevin Kelly, I thought, did a fantastic job just, you know, feeding him the stories and making sure he knew what was going on and um, providing the voice of reason or sort of arguing in the defense of things like the fighting spirit spots when JR was starting to shit on them a bit. So uh, all in all, I'd have to give the commentary a thumbs up. I I'd go in the middle. I, I, I'd say, uh, again, Kevin's a professional. Uh, he knew when to take a backseat and provide more color. Um, and then he knew, and you could tell as the show went on that Kevin kind of grabbed the reins a little bit and took, I don't want to say took control, but he, you know, was able to, you know, the one thing that, that I thought about is that when it's all said and done, Kevin Kelly is left to pick up the pieces, right? So he's going to be working the King of Pro Wrestling shows and he's going to be working the, the, the power struggle tours and he's going to be, you know, he's there to, to, work the product because that's his that's his job whereas jr can come in and come out and you know kind of you know do what he does but you know he's got really nothing to worry about after that you know so kevin was there where when he when was needed for him to be uh the lead and i think he did a, a strong job at that um professional job and and yes look banging on jr's is become you know, old hat, pardon the pun, <laughs> old big cowboy black hat. <laughs> um, it is what it is, man. Look, we know what we're going to get. That's it's, it's not going to be a remarkable improvement the next time or the next time. It, that's going to be a is what it is kind of thing. So banging on him, whatever. I mean, what are you going to do? Um, let's but let's give praise where it's due. Uh, it, Kevin Kelly saved the day, so as always, so no no shock there when it came to that for me. And the other question from RBX, uh, looking at the Long Beach card, barring the Tanahashi J White tag, why couldn't they have announced the card beforehand? And this I is something know. I was thinking, we, we talked about last time, there was no reason, absolutely no reason why they couldn't have announced this card a month before, or even two months before. It didn't give away anything. There were no spoilers for the Destruction Tour, no spoilers about anything coming up at King of Pro Wrestling. I'm still scratching my head. Like, Why did this happen? I, I wish I had an answer for you. I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I Again, I to me, it felt like we have the building booked, and then it was, oh, shit, we have a building we have booked, and what are we going to do? Um, look, it was... Every North American guy who has ever worked on a New Japan show, minus like the the rumble at the Dome, um, was on this show. I mean, Chris Saban was on the show. <laughs> I mean, right? What is? Uh, and that's not knocking Chris Saban. That's more saying what? You know, uh, ACH they bring back um, all guys that you don't see throughout the entire year, except maybe you know Junior Tag or you know Tag Leagues. Well, both guys from Best of Super Juniors, so and Best of okay, but you but you know what I mean. Like they're just it it's it they just brought everybody they could on the cheap. You know they saved money. They brought people in, and and that that being that that I can't blame them for that because I have I'm sure they saved the proper penny. But again, it just added to the feel of oh, we're seeing this instead of what 
we all hoped we would eventually see. Um, and 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 as the days grew shorter and the show rapidly approached, I think every everyone's feeling like here's the thing: I'm not disappointed because it, it's not even what I expected. Right? At no point did I expect to see you know the names that you rattled off that have never appeared before. Never. You knew that you were going to get Kushida. You knew that you were going to get Lij. You knew that you were going to get Liger. You knew that you're going to get the same people that you see all the times when it comes to bringing over New Japan guys to the States um, on Ring of Honor shows or, you know, what have you. You you knew that was going to be. Okay, well, let's look at some of the matches themselves then. Uh, There was a dark match between two people from the LA Dojo, two of Shibata's boys, uh, Alex Coughlin against Clark Connors, which was finished after a referee stoppage, which I don't think was televised at all, so I haven't seen that, have you? Nope. No, I have not, so I, right. can, I cannot judge. Well, the first match was a six-man tag with the team of uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, ACH, and Jushin Thunder Liger, defeating the team of Shoyo and Rocky Romero. Taguchi pinning Rocky after eight minutes after a dodon. I thought this was brilliant. This is yep. everything I want from an opening match. Really fun, very hot crowds. Uh, we had great stuff like Yo jiggling his tits in time to Liger's music at the start. Massive pop for Liger. You can tell how much that the fans here appreciate his work. ACH is awesome. It makes me wonder where the hell he is. Why am I not seeing more of him? Why is this guy not main eventing shows? Because I think he's brilliant. Um, we were about three minutes into this before JR started mixing up showing Yo's names. But again, I'm over that. It, it didn't distract from my enjoyment of the match and again as I said I like Kevin Kelly subtly trying to clue in JR on the stories and and the background to this stuff Uh, we also got JR plugging the WWE network telling people to go and watch Liger versus Pillman (laughs) yep I did notice that yep good point but uh, aside from that it was an excellent opener yes uh, all all the things I agree with uh, and more so I think again, if 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 we're if we're being honest here, fast paced, you you had the people that could deliver a fast paced, entertaining, balls to the wall opener. Uh, you had the right people in the ring, and once again, again, I think the biggest difference because it it, it would have been very easy for them to open up this show, and you take a look at the crowd, and you see a lot of that yellow seats. And it's very easy for a person sitting at home to be like, Ugh. Ugh. okay. But the crowd was into it. And and here's another thing, too. You know, I shit on the production because the production makes it feel like it's, a, it's an Americanized show, 100%. Like it's early 90s WCW, it feels like. That being said, however they did it, and it might have been just the work of the crowd – uh, they mic'd the crowd. The crowd noise came across, um, and they were up for it. So um, you got to give a tip of the cap to them because they helped make this match great. And I think they worked extra hard um, to to perform in front of this crowd. Uh, there, there was nothing. There were no rests in this sh- on this show. Everybody worked extremely hard. I thought, um, and there was really nothing that where I was like, no. I think everybody worked hard. This match kind of set the tone. For the rest of the show, I thought it was very good. And the second match, we had uh, the team of Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels defeating Chase Owens and Hangman Page in eight minutes after a best Meltzer ever. And it always impresses me how over um, FCU are. So, uh, no, not FCU, SCU. 
Is, it, is that right? SCU so, Southern, so, cal- it, so cal- yeah. uncensored. And yeah, yeah. you're seeing like Chase Owen saying worst town ever, all this stuff, like the little callbacks to being the elite, which the fans lap up, like they love it. And I think Kazarian and Daniels are a, they were a really good, solid tag team. And this was a, a pretty good match as well. There were some really amazing spots that stood out to me, like uh, Hangman Page doing his drop kick into a shooting star press. And then there was a great moment where Kazarian counted the Hangman shooting star press with the double knees. Um, I really enjoyed this match. Are you surprised Kazarian and Daniels aren't more of a mainstay when it comes to New Japan tours? Uh, I don't know. I mean, in what sense? I, you just, I mean, you know, you really see them, like I said, World Tag League, right? But aside from that, you don't see them on shows or on tours or or a, a part of the tag team scene in New Japan. I, is it, I, just, I just find that a little surprising, don't you? Maybe because they really like South California. They don't like going to other places, <laughs> do they? They're always quite vocal in their criticism. So going all the way over to Japan regularly, they probably wouldn't enjoy that, would they? I mean, look. If they, I'm sure that the flights are, uh, you know, never enjoyable. A little ambient helps, and then snooze away. Come on. Um, I don't know. I think that they're they're good, and I I just think that people. I don't know if they're just like uh, they're just there for people. I'm curious to hear what people think of them as a tag team because I think they're really good, and they it seems to me like. Like, given the right opponent, like, I don't think that they would mix well with, like, a G.O.D. But you mean to tell me you wouldn't want to see them and Bucks or them and uh, um, L.I.J.? Yeah, I, think I would, be but really good. not in New Japan. I mean, I think New Japan have got enough Western wrestlers as it is. Like I said, I like SEU. I think they're a good team, but uh, I don't think that New Japan need them on their roster. I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily mean that that they should be signed immediately and be in the mix. But if you look through the history of, you know, in the past five years, I mean, you had, you know, Kingdom, you had War Machine, you had Briscoes, you had, you know, there seems like there's been a lot of tag teams that have come and gone, and I'm just kind of surprised that they haven't really ever been in the mix even even if you want to consider them juniors if you wanted to i don't know uh like even right now it's like you know let me ask you this who would you rather see kazarian and daniels or chucky t and beretta um as a tag team kazarian and daniels but i think beretta has got more upside than any of the four of those names you've mentioned i agree i would agree with that as well I don't know. I just, I mean, I just think that it's weird that they've never really been in in a mix, so to speak. I mean, Briscoe has held the fucking IWGP Tag Champ. They were champions, you know. Not to say that this that's the most prestigious title in the world anymore, but um, you know, it just, I don't know, kind of weird to me. Okay, we can move on. We don't just, we don't have to harp on that. Okay. Uh, next match was uh, the team of Jeff Cobb, Chris Sabin, and Flip Gordon defeating the team of Chucky T. Beretta and Hiroki Goto. Uh, in 12 minutes after Jeff Cobb pinned Chucky D after a tour of the islands. So it was at this point in the show that Grumpy JR started to emerge uh, during the, the best friends bit, during the fighting spirit spots. And I was like, come on, JR, the name of the show is Fighting Spirit Unleashed. you got to let them have that one. And I also thought during this match that Flip Gordon is a really great six-man tag wrestler. I think that's his spot. <laughs> when he's in the match for like 30 seconds, then he's great. 
But right. uh, any longer than that, then I think it all starts to fall apart. I noticed that JR really loved Jeff Cobb here. I don't know if it was anything he did or the fact that he's just a large man, but JR seemed to be right up his ass. It was a bit weird. And we've also got, coming out of this, it seems that Goto is going to challenge Jeff Cobb for the ROH TV title. And his backstage interview, Goto said, I don't know what that title is, but I'm coming for it. So nicely managed to totally bury that ROH title there. <laughs> well, Ishii did the same thing for the uh, that, the same title, I think, right? When when Ishii held it um, a few years ago. like He didn't know what the fuck it was. And he would say, I don't even know what this is, but I'm defending it. Um, like It's funny because I'm looking at it like right behind me. I have a picture from that Ring of Honor when they came to Las Vegas. And like he had the Ring of Honor. TV championship and he was like uh, you know it, it was just sitting on the table and I pointed at it and he picked it up and handed it to me like it was uh, a piece of chewing gum right and there's a picture of me holding the title and him just like okay great <laughs> you know, just like he didn't give a you fuck can say that if you want <laughs> right right exactly you want to you want to you want to take that like that I think someone um, else left it here I'm pretty sure it's not mine Right, exactly. That's exactly what it looked like. Um, and I'm looking at that picture right now. Um, the, the the JR thing, uh, that's his wheelhouse, man. I mean, those type of wrestlers. So you go back to his UWF days, you know, you figure, you look at that roster. Steve Williams, which, you know, he always, you know, gushed over. Terry Gordy. Uh, Duggan at the time when he, you know, was halfway decent. Um, you know, One Man Gang was bigger, but, you know, of the cut of the same cloth. Um, you know, he loves those big hossy guys that have an amateur background and, you know, play defensive line at the University of Oklahoma and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's his fucking, you know, he, he gets a boner over those shit. So, um, I mean, that's why he, he just, he literally just gravitated to the one thing that he could rely on, right? And he saw that and that was going to be the focus for the entire match. So, for him anyway, because he, he doesn't know Chucky e. T. You honestly think Jim Ross has any fucking clue who Chucky e. T is, or Beretta, or uh, you know, he has no idea. You know, he barely knows fucking Goto, let alone <laughs> anybody else in the ring. So he's just got to rely on what he knows. He's not taking notes. He's not watching. I'm. I tell you right now, I'll bet one American dollar. I'll bet a fucking cartwheel. How about that? I'll go. I'll go 3-0 right here. I bet you Jim Ross doesn't even have a New Japan World subscription. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet a cartwheel. I don't know how he can prove it, but I bet you bet you that he doesn't. Um, I, I, I feel so confident I would go 3-0 in a, in a Jim Ross, do you have a New Japan World subscription uh, cartwheel deathmatch? There we go. Okay, I'm going to tweet him and ask him. Good. Yeah, and I want. I just don't want. I don't want to, a, a yes no that means nothing to me because he could lie through his. We've teeth. Got to have proof. A screenshot. I need a screenshot. I need a screenshot that proves that he has a New Japan World subscription, and that 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 well, even if it's on the fucking house, right? Even if it's on the house, if he can prove that he has a New Japan World subscription, I'll do a fucking cartwheel. Well, you're really confident with these cartwheel death matches, Dave. But, and I wouldn't be so cavalier about them if I were you. I I wouldn't say it if I didn't know it to be true. Right? I wouldn't say it if I didn't have the utmost of confidence when it came to that. Uh, he does not have a New Japan World subscription. I promise you that. Did you notice uh, a really annoying person by the entranceway who kept 
asking for selfies and autographs oh, yeah. with the wrestlers as they were going past. And the yeah, wrestlers were visibly annoyed with him. Yeah. Listen, if you're going to do that nonsense with the, the fucking selfie thing, which is ridiculous because the guy's done a match, he's got to get back because they can get the other match on. But I know it's all about you and your fucking selfie. Okay. If that's going to be you, can you do me a fucking favor? At least have the camera loaded, ready to rock and roll. And stop fumbling, looking for your camera, and then looking for the set. Oh, I got to switch the camera. Uh, I mean, Taguchi was was visibly like, what the fuck? What? Come on. Jesus Christ. P- take the picture and get out. Yeah, he was, uh, again, and might, and the difference between a Japanese crowd and a fucking American crowd, that's for sure. More to the point, David, why the fuck were the cameras picking this up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the most annoying thing is, and, and again, I, I please keep in mind, people, that we did like this show a lot. Right? And I know that it seems like we're banging on little nitpicky things, but... Um, and JR hates the nitpickers, doesn't he? Oh, we are, the, we, we're, we are the nitpickiest nitpickers. You know it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's American-produced 1990s they would they would shoot the crowd like the crowd then has to then ham it up for the fucking camera right and be like ah yeah pro wrestling woohoo and they got to act like total boobs and then they cut back to the ring and you miss shit and you oh that happens all the time you go back and watch the shit like watch some of these 90s WCW pay-per-views you know you can go back and look at any one of those WCW pay-per-views and it's you know now, that's the way it was shot, you know, crowd shot and missing shit and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's that's concerning uh, when when it comes to production. And I don't know why they had to keep the camera on Taguchi while that was going on. Craziness. Okay, so match number four then. We had the Suzuki-Goon team of Zack Sabre Jr., Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith defeating the LIJ team of Evil, Sonata and Naito. Zack Sabre Jr., pinning Evil after nine minutes with a rolling back clutch. And I thought it was notable here that Zach got his own entrance. And how cool is his jacket? I want his jacket. I know yeah. someone has very kindly offered to send me a Zack Sabre Jr. t-shirt. If someone could send me that jacket, the suplex one with a Union Jack on it, wow, I'd be the coolest guy in the room. And and again, it just really, I've got written down in my notes here, there's so much footage of the fans. It really started to get irritating by this point. But... As I was getting annoyed by it, I noticed Io Shirai and Kairi Sane in the crowd chanting for Naito, which I thought was a really cool little touch. And Naito got a massive pop when he came out. The fans love him. So why he's just disappeared from any kind of meaningful storylines, I can't get my head around that. But that's another discussion for another time. And the finish to this match, I adored. Like, Zack Sabre Jr.'s clutch, that might be my favourite move, especially the fact that he did the double middle fingers while he was doing it. And but then after that, JR was criticizing Zack Sabre Jr.'s body, saying to get some protein. Yeah, and I was I, like, you know what? Burying the guy who's just won the match, man. What's? Yeah, I, I didn't get that at all. I was and 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 I had to rewind that a, a, a bit because I was like, did, why did he say that? And then I rewound it, and it just seemed really odd to me. Uh, I'd go get some. Like I was like. I don't know why he does that. And again, I don't. It's turning into it. And I don't want it to be, but it's just, boy, it's just those fucking little moments that just get under my skin like that. Like, why would you say that? Um, but the good news is this. Well, there's, there's there is good news and there is bad news. One, uh, let's get the good news first. 
yes, Zach is absolutely uh, the man when it comes to in-ring performance and out-of-ring performance as well. I think that goes vastly underrated. Bad news is this. If you're an LIJ fan, and I know I've said this many times before, what are you thinking right now? Like, what, what's going through your head? Uh, I, I, I see a little bit of it online. Again, I don't go on a, a lot, but boy, there are a lot of question marks when it comes to this particular faction. Given, it's, it, you know, and again, if we're, if we're, to me, and again, numbers might tell a different story, right? Numbers might, you know, when I say numbers, we're talking about gate and, and money and all that. To a Western audience, when you listen to that pop, it did feel and sound like it was the biggest of the night. And then when I compare that to what I, what I hear and see from a Japanese crowd, it's not that far off. I don't know what's going on. I, I wish I had answers for, for, for LIJ fans. I wish I had answers because I, 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 I have to shoulder shrug that. Again, not everybody can be front burner at all times. But man, oh man, it just seems like you've got a, a, a guy who everything is stacked against him, it feels like. I don't know. I hate to be the guy that, that rags on these guys not getting pushes and these guys not getting... It just, it just seems like in recent... It seems like in 2000... I can't say the whole year, but it feels like at the majority of the year, LIJ has taken a backseat big time. And I and I and I don't have an answer given the crowd reactions that you hear each and every time they come out. Yeah, as a faction, they are just absolutely dead. They are dead. They they're getting nothing this year. And I know Evelyn Sonata had their little tag run, and Naito had a cup of coffee with the Intercontinental Title. But I just cannot get my head around how popular these guys are. All of them, like even Bushi, you know, going back to that fan poll that they did, where he was by far and away the favourite that people wanted to see win the title and then he just loses straight away to Kushida. So people love these guys and I just I just don't get why they're in the wilderness like this. I'm hoping that this is a, a long story and that will get them coming back. But uh, certainly at the end of this match, they were looking pretty desolate. Evil in particular, they had a big sympathy spot with him, just looking inconsolable in the ring and Naito standing there like doesn't even know what to say to him. I thought that was a point where we get Chris Jericho doing a running, but we got nothing. So that was a bit of a strange one. Yeah. I mean, that, that shot in particular was, you know, it, it does lead to, okay, we're going to bring in a, a new body and a new face, and maybe that will give us the spark that we need. But even, you know, if, if, even if we're looking at storyline-wise, you know, that you could tell just by their body language and, and what they're kind of like, we're, we're at a loss and we can't figure it out. So let's see if we can get somebody in here to, to give us the spark that we need. Um, but from a you know a fan perspective and a booking perspective, again, it's like you can't you can't you can't cool off a, a, a faction or a team or a wrestler more than these guys, um, and and, it, and it's so disproportional uh, between the fans wanting them to be front and center and be successful, and 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 again, even a guy like Bushi, who to me is the least interesting of all of them you know it's still it, you know people love him and and want him to succeed and i don't know you just i i don't have an answer i wish i did the only answer i have is that some people are going to get hot and some people are going to get cold throughout the year but it just feels like this year they've been 
you know, ice cold. And you look at the people who are on top right now, and it's, again, maybe we're building towards something come dome season. But, again, you look at who's on top right now, and the fans' reaction to who they want on top, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling with this one. Yeah, I can't see LIJ doing anything meaningful at Wrestle Kingdom this year, can you? I mean, Naito Intercontinental. That's about to, that's that's kind of where I see it, right? I mean, that's that's I mean, the whole evil thing seems to have been scrapped, right? It doesn't seem like that's really going to take flight anytime soon. Maybe uh, you know, well, it's not going to be King of Pro Wrestling, that's for sure because the, the the card was announced there, so there's that. Um, I mean, are they bringing Jericho back for like power struggle? Are they, uh, I, you know, so it seems like that's been tossed aside again. I, we haven't seen Jericho defend this fucking title since before, not even before. We've never seen a defense. Yeah. We haven't seen a defense. And when did he win it? Before G1, right? Yeah. Dominion. I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? Help me out, people. Is, is is this sitting well with you at all? How is this helping the company? Help me figure this fucking thing out. Because I don't know what the fuck's going on here. It's been... I mean, the, the leaves are changing in front of a fucking tree right here. And I still haven't seen an intercontinental title defense. The fucking leaves are changing. You Come were on. naming champions earlier on in the show, and you forgot about him. Yes! I forgot we even had this thing! Come on. I'm sorry. I'm not... Uh, and again, the people that were, 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 were pushing and were, and were giving... It just doesn't... Just Look, I know it's the U.S. title, right? And, and Cody is, is, a, is absolutely a... a, a a buzzworthy name, you know. He's he's a hot hand right now. He's got the all in thing. He's, he's, I mean, and here's the thing. I like Cody as everything that he stands for as a human being, and everything that he stands for as what he wants to help people and 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 promote the sport and be. I I couldn't like. He just seems like a fucking good dude. And he seems like he he is his heart is in the right place. I, I, he just doesn't do anything for me in the ring. Okay, that, I'm sorry that he just doesn't. And I can understand why you would give him a title, a title. But for Jesus Christ, again, you go down as we the state of affairs right now. If we go through it, it's not what I signed up for. I'm sorry. All right, well, let's move on then. Uh, match number five was a tag match. We had the team of Jay White and Ghetto defeating the team of Hiroshi, Tanahashi and Kushida with Jay White getting a pin over Tanahashi after eight minutes with the Blade Runner. One thing that I thought was notable here is the massive heel heat that Jay White yes. gets everywhere he goes. Whatever country he's in, people hate this guy and that's very refreshing. It's nice to see that uh, people are not cheering him because he's cool. I will say this that the character work that we kind of struggled with throughout the beginning of this year, or at least me anyway, I can speak for myself, uh, that's, that, that, there's your payoff, right? There, there, there's a payoff right there. Um, yeah, that crowd was, was hot. It, it, like, and it didn't feel like it was 
get the fuck out of the ring hot. You know, it was boo, you're shitting on our heroes heat, which is that's what we want, right? That's 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 a heel. That's a legit heel. And the re- the reaction he got was well done. And that's that that's the work that he put in. So, you know, I don't mind taking a big fat L for that one. Um, and waiting for Jay White to get it. Now, again, let's 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 keep in mind. I'm still waiting for that great Jay White match, right? I'm still I still want that great Jay White match, and I don't know if I've necessarily had one where, you know, we're talking about it at the end of the year during our, our award season, right? And which is rapidly approaching, by the way. Um, I don't know if we have that yet, but you know, proof is in the pudding that the ca- that the work that he put in on the character is is starting to pay off, which is nice to see. Yeah, I would say at Wrestle Kingdom, if he does get this big singles match with Okada, he has to deliver there because yeah. the match at last year's Wrestle Kingdom with Tanahashi was okay, but it was disappointing for what we expected on such a big stage. And he has to do better this year. So that's going to be the acid test. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, hindsight being what it is, you know, a lot of people didn't know what to expect with Jay White, right? They didn't know what this was. They, they, but I think more people understand the character. I think more people understand his motives. More people understand that you know, w- you know wh- who and what he is. The only thing he has to do, and I wouldn't even say let Okada carry the match because he doesn't need to be carried. I think Jay White is v- fucking incredibly talented and incredibly capable of having a great match. Um, we, we just. We just—that's all we need. And here's the thing, too. I truly believe that's the one thing that's keeping him from being a top-flight star in New Japan. He needs that one match to have people be like, "Oh, we need to see this." People who aren't in the mix when it comes to New Japan shows, right? What they need is that internet buzz, right? Uh, of people saying, "Holy fuck, you got to see this match." That's all he needs to take the next level. He's got to perform. He's he's got to he's got to make that happen. And he's got a great dance partner when it comes to Okada. So um, there really isn't an excuse right now for it not to happen. So I expect big things out of him at Wrestle Kingdom. Okay, following this match, we got an intermission. Seems to be a long time since we got one of those. And mm. I noticed that after this intermission, Jr. came back excited he was full of energy i don't know what he did during this intermission if he went and had a cup of coffee or a steak or something but when he came back he was he was buzzing so that was good to see Mm. and then uh, we got the iwgp junior heavyweight championship tournament semi-final where marty skull defeated will osprey in 60 minutes following the graduation in what i thought was a terrific match i loved the way osprey was just blasting marty skull right from the bell high pace high intensity the chicken wing counter was awesome. I noticed some similarities between the way that Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega sell. And I think there does seem to be a crossover with the people who criticize Kenny Omega for that sort of stuff and the people that criticize Ospreay for that kind of stuff. But personally, I didn't have a problem with it here. For me, you asked, well, last time we spoke, you asked me who was the New Japan Wrestler of the Year. And I said it was Kenny Omega. But in terms of Wrestler of the Year across the world, Will Ospreay has got to be in the conversation because the matches he's having, both in and out of New Japan, are outstanding. So many different kinds of matches. He's doing it in tag matches. He's doing it in singles matches with bigger guys. He's doing it in singles matches with smaller guys. He's doing the slow-paced main event style. He's having these lightning-fast, high-flying junior-style matches and just whatever kind of match you want, Will Ospreay is delivering. 
And I don't think it's a coincidence that Marty Skull's best matches are with Will Ospreay and his yeah. best matches by quite some distance. So uh, are you with me in this? Did you enjoy this match as much as I did? On board 100%, Joel. Uh, I mean, you're right. And I tweeted out, and I don't tweet often, but when I do, it certainly uh, shocks the internet. <laughs> um, it's he's he's a le- legitimate contender for wrestler of the year, um, whether it be in our year end awards, which again are right around the corner, so gear up for those, uh, or you know when we talk about observer awards or, or stuff along those lines. He is absolutely in that conversation, and you are right in the sense of look at his entire body of work, not just New Japan, which have you know, again the beginning of the year we were you know before G one we were talking about him, you know, in, in that conversation, and then we said, well, you know what, G one, he's not going to have a time to shine, uh, but he went elsewhere, right, and took bookings and and. And did the same thing and carried on, right? And then he hops back into a New Japan ring and in, in, in a big, bigger spotlight match, um, and has a great match once again with Marty Scurll. So, look, I know people are are a little divisive when it comes to his selling, right? I I don't have a problem necessarily with it. It's not it's not a huge factor for me um, when in watching his matches. What I will say is is that. I, I defy you to find a a a better thirty second opening stretch to a match than than what he than what he put on uh, on this Long Beach show. Love this match. Uh, I was in the fours for it. I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know if I went as high as four and a half, but uh, you could certainly argue that case. Uh, but I was definitely a so- strong, solid, beefy four. And again, once again, he just kind of showing why he's a contender for wrestler of the year with this match. I want to just quickly touch again. I know I mentioned it earlier about this line poll that they did on the four juniors in this tournament and who people wanted to win. And the two people at the bottom, the two least favorite were Marty Skull and Kushida. And these are the people in the final. Is that worth commenting on at all? Or do you think it's irrelevant? The fact that, you know, this is a company where pe- people seem to enjoy it because they say that the booking gives you what you want, but then they don't. I Look, I think it's I, th- I think people can point to that data set and kind of support their argument if you're not getting the booking that you hoped you would. Right. So that can support that argument. Sure. Um, I will say this, that, and I don't know where I've heard it before, but it does seem like it's an older kind of thought process in, in, in history of, of pro wrestling, but like you never let those f- vocal fans dictate your booking, right? As weird as it sounds, like you just don't just on, on whims change whatever direction you're going with. So if if you're if you're not a fan of the direction, and again, I'm, I'm I, I have my faults with it, right? No doubt. Um, I, I, I do respect a little bit the fact that he does stay the course with his booking. It doesn't really feel like he's making decisions on the fly. Now that can be good, right? That can be you judge a crowd, you read a crowd, you know. I mean, the, the infamous story of Masawa as he was Tiger Mask. Um, and Baba being in 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 Corkin, I think it was, or was it Budokan? I'm not sure. Uh, I forget the you know, and him kind of making a decision on the fly. That famous story of him, you know, giving Misawa the win. 
to kind of launch that whole entire run that those guys had um, and kind of making him a next-level star. So there is something to be said. Look, again, if that's your argument, you can look at that data and, and help support that argument, that's for sure. Okay, seventh match for the IWGP Tag Team Championship. The challengers of Tangaloa and Tamatonga defeating the champions Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson in 19 minutes with Tamatonga pinning Matt Jackson after a move called Kill Shot. Uh, Young Bucks had a new theme tune here with some funky Power Rangers riffs. And the story of the match was, again, Matt Jackson's back giving him trouble. Um, Nick Jackson is awesome. I don't think he gets enough praise for the stuff that he does, considering in a lot of these matches he seems to be doing the bulk of the work. But maybe it's just me. I'm kind of tired of these matches where Matt Jackson is selling his back because we've had quite a few of them already this year. And it kind of telegraphs the way that the match is going to go and almost it convinced me that G.O.D. were winning for a start because I wouldn't have thought they'd have basically Nick Jackson wrestling by himself but G.O.D. losing because I would have figured that would make G.O.D. look really weak considering the way they've been building them up. So it kind of telegraphed the finish of that match to me. Um, I also noticed the guy in front of JR holding the guardrail, which made me laugh because they were <laughs> obviously trying to avoid uh, a repeat of what happened uh, at the previous show. Uh, the direction was a bit all over the place here. The camera kept nearly missing spots. Um, so overall, what did you think of this match? See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am going to disagree with you a little bit here because I, I liked the fact that if Young Bucks were going to lose, why not fall back on a, a story of, of of an injury that has has you know been a story throughout the entire year right that back once again rearing its ugly head and causing them to fall short in this title match um so i again i i like that idea of continuing that because you know, let's be truthful. Those of you who do suffer from back injuries know they don't just fucking go away, right? They they can linger, um, and and that's what we found here. Now, again, it, does it telegraph the finish a little bit? Yeah, possibly, sure. But to me, I like the fact that if if there's going to be a switch, a title change, why not get get that callback spot, as we like to say, and those breadcrumbs, and and why not use that to our advantage? So I didn't have a, necessarily a problem with that. In fact, I enjoyed that element of the match. Um, second thing, G.O.D., you mentioned Flip, should be in six-man tags forever, right? Because that's where he can hide his flaws and his weaknesses and really shine and look like a star. I feel the same way about G.O.D. They they should not be split, right? The tag element, and again, being in the ring with the Young Bucks helps tremendously, but being in a tag element is definitely their strengths and hides their weaknesses. Yeah, um, I just want to jump in. If you go back and watch the Tag League Finals from 2016, they had an awesome match with uh-huh. uh, GBH, Makabe and Honma. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, when we, when we look at their body of work, the majority of the time when we were saying, okay, that was a, that was a good performance, are usually in tag elements and, and tag situations. Uh, and usually the quality of, of opponents says a lot. Um, speaking of the Young Bucks and quality of opponents and all that, I'm really, with the start of the hockey season, Joel, I'm going to find a way to segue hockey in here. Um, I'm addicted to uh, what's called hockey analytics. And it's just, so, uh, you know, you have your regular stats, your goals, your assists, and what have you. But people really dig deeper in quality performances by individual players by 
by scoring and ranking factors that don't always necessarily check those boxes, those main stats on a score sheet, right? To determine the value of a player and how well they perform. So they'll um, judge things like exiting their defensive zone with possession of the puck or entering a zone with possession of the puck. Um, all things that help generate offense. And if you have the puck, you can generate more offense. But these things traditionally were never tracked, but now people are starting to track these things. And I'm, and I'm geeked out by it. I'm really fascinated by these little pockets of people that analyze these what seem like meaningless stats, but can kind of show that the more times a player does X, the more offensive opportunities and more goals, more wins. Fascinated by it. What, is, what does this have to do with pro wrestling? Well, there was a site that has all, a lot of these people. Uh, t- I think it's a program called Tableau or Tableau, where you know these data people take these raw numbers and make it into charts and graphs that people can kind of absorb, right, and see data. Because again, so- sometimes people see things better than they can digest just a wall of Excel numbers. There's a pro wrestling one. So somebody, and I, I really feel like I should have given full credit, and and I, I I'll do my best in the notes to to do it. But there is a pro wrestling one. Um, where they charted five-star and four-star matches from the Observer over the, the entire span of him ranking matches. So they have this large match set. Anyway, the long and the short of it is this. With almost the same amount of matches that were ranked, you know Matt Jackson has a higher star rating percentage Right, so I think it was like four point three something, and again, I might be wrong with the numbers. So his average match is four point three something, then Kawada at a four point one something. I found that to be fascinating. Right, that Matt Jackson overall his entire body of work of matches that were rated by the Observer has a higher star rating than Kawada. Unbelievable! Wow, that is remarkable. Yeah, I would have never have thought that. Like on- honestly. If I said, who do you think has has had a higher? And again, it's Dave's star rating. So let's you know whatever, however you feel about that. But Matt Jackson has a higher average star rating than Kawada. I think this could be used as a stick by Meltzer critics with which to beat him. So <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But again, proof's in the pudding. I mean, that's that's I I saw that, and I I was you know they had everybody all these they had like 100 wrestlers plotted out on this graph and you know you kind of hover your mouse above and you can kind of see where people stand you know Matt Jackson's above guys like Barry Windham and Sting and um I mean you can go through a lot of names and he was sitting he, he was plotted above a lot of names and that was the one that was like whoa that one stuck out to me so just just a little food for thought for young bucks fans and young bucks critics and and Meltzer star fans and critics all right. I think they deserve all the praise they're getting. But sticking with the art box, um, according to the Observer, they will not be in this year's World Tag League. So that's the first right. time in nine years that the... Well, no, actually, this is not correct anymore because I was going to say it'll be the first time in nine years that the champions haven't been in the World Tag League. But of course, they're not the champions anymore, are they? Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. they're going to be travelling to fewer NJPW shows in general. Do you think this is their slow break to leaving altogether or are they just reducing their schedule to balance life and ROH and things like that? Uh, again, if we're talking about using situations to support an argument, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it's neither here nor there, but um, it does seem like odd timing, doesn't it? <laughs> it does seem like odd timing where 
okay, let's negotiate. And, uh, you know, either way I go, which is fine, but I might not necessarily want to put in the uh, travel or put in the matches during this time frame while we're negotiating. I, I mean, nobody knows for sure, except them and the people that are involved in those negotiations. But to me, it's, uh, look, it's, uh, you can connect. You can connect the dots all you want, and, and and make it tell the story of the narrative that you want. But um, the facts are, th- they drop the straps here. Um, they are taking some time off during World Tag League, where you would would have thought they they would have certainly been in. Um, and it's right around contract ending time. And with the rumors and the swirling and everything that's going down, you know, around this time. And uh, slightly moving forward into February, March, and April. I mean, one can one can speculate <laughs> and have some have some things to point their finger at. That's that's for sure. All right. Well, moving on then. Uh, the eighth match we had the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship, where Cody defeated Juice Robinson in 60 minutes. Uh, it says here with a Boston Crab, but it was a bit of a strange finish. It was like a inside cradle kind of thing. Um, I don't know what you thought of this match, Damon, but for me, this was the epitome of the gentleman's three. Three-star Cody. Cody three-stars. Yeah. Again, I, I, I've said it. I, I love him for everything that he does. I really do. I, I, the sad part about it is, is that I really want to love him. Like I, w- I want to wear an American Nightmare T-shirt. <laughs> I would, I swear, because I really like him. I, uh, but just it, when the bell rings, it just falls a little short for me. And 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 you're right, nothing wrong with this match. There's nothing th- this, but this is you know when you, the Nick Aldis match, you know, for the NWA title, and and, and that one had a little bit more. Um, juice to it pardon the pun because of uh the the crowd and wanting him to win that title and 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 that being his night with all in um i I, look i'm not not gonna lie i'm disappointed that this juice run really was insignificant if anybody i wanted new japan to kind of hang their 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 hat on i don't know if that's the term i'm looking for but to 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 get behind was juice on this one i re- i just feel like this was like a fart in church and it just didn't have it and he struggled in g1 and and it feels like the win was a fluke you know the title was a fluke um no you know successful title defenses and i don't know i i wish i wish there was more for juice in this one but uh unfortunately we're going to go to the hot hand and, and listen cody rhodes is the hot hand right let's he's he's you know, they're thinking has to be along the lines of look at what he's able to do in the United States. Let's put a title on him and have him represent New Japan as well. I mean, that's that doesn't take a lot of brains to figure out. And in in the global scheme of things, Cody's got a bigger uh, market value, I would say, than than Juice. But from a New Japan fan perspective, I think a lot of people are a little disappointed that that there, there was a title change. You can certainly justify it and understand it. New Japan fandom-wise, a little sour taste in their mouths. I will say one thing in Cody's defense, that he cut an excellent promo backstage after the match, which is worth checking out. But I'm struggling to reconcile these two very different Cody personas. The one that we get in All In, where he's 
the hero and we're supposed to cheer him and I wanted to cheer him then but then he's acting like a heel in New Japan against Juice so to me those two things are that they do clash somewhat I do find the, the difference in the two characters quite jarring but uh, I do agree this does make Juice look quite weak especially considering the G1 that he had as well and you could argue and say well he did have Cody beat he landed the pole friction but it was Brandy who pulled Cody out and saved him, so he would have beaten Cody. So he's got the talent and he's got the tools there, but he's just maybe lacking that cutting edge, that ruthless streak to really be able to establish himself as a, a serious champion in New Japan. But that doesn't take away from the disappointment. We don't have a question on this. Big T says, so was Juice the latest transitional champ since Mike Elgin, or did they put themselves into a corner where he had to lose the belt? His record in the G1 was pretty telling. So what do you say to that? Like, Where do we go with Juice from here? That's a great question. What, what do you do? Um, he, he seems like he's a geek, right? I think the general... Looking at wins and losses and performance-wise, again as a f- quote fan, you know it's the, it's a, it's a disappointing couple months, and he looks like you know he took a step backwards in his progression. So I don't know. I hope it's not just a mix mash of multi-man tags at this point because that would be really disappointing. Um, yeah, he's it, it's. I mean, he could he could he win this title back and find a way to 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 to, to do that. Yes, right now the, the the story arc at least is uh, he's on a losing streak. He's on a downward trend, and uh, I'm sure he's going to find a way to fight back from that. But yeah, it's uh, again I can't I can't the logic in the deci- decision to give the to give Cody the title. I can see it's just uh, unfortunately it feels like, and I could you know it could be proven wrong. It feels like it. It's at the expense of a guy who you've spent a lot of time to make a star, and uh, it feels like he's t- he's taken a step backwards in that. Yeah, I think going forward, we're probably just getting a World Tag League pairing with David Finley. They're almost certainly not going to win the World Tag League, and then they'll just be in some sort of multi-man schmoz match for the never open weight title at Wrestle Kingdom, which is a disappointment. No doubt, no doubt. But hey, you'll get Cody defending the title at the at the uh, at the at the dome. Uh, that's for sure. And that's what's even more troubling is that this is not in March that these title changes have, have occurred. I mean, you you've got really one other show besides this King of Pro Wrestling show for you to, to determine uh, a lot of these title defenses, right? You. Look, as of right now at the Dome, you're getting a, a Kenny Omega title defense right, against Tanahashi, mind you. You're getting Chris Jericho defending the Intercontinental title, hopefully, if he finds a fucking way to, to make that happen. Uh, you're getting a Tai Chi Never Openweight Championship title match. Uh, the likelihood that you're getting a Kushida title match is, is I would say, if, 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 uh, if I'm a betting man, I would go that route. Uh, you're getting... Possibly a a uh, El Desperado Kanemaru IWGP Junior tag uh, defense, and you're getting a God t- tag title defense. Does that make you excited uh, for Wrestle nope. Kingdom? No, I'm I'm not going to lie. It, it really doesn't. And 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 again, a Cody a t- title. How about you? You're going. You're you're paying money to to to, to fly out there. 
as a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. You happy with that? No, I'm not. But I think the show will be good. The matches will be good. Yeah. And I I have faith that they will make me excited by the time January 4th rolls around. But what do you think is going on here? Do you think this is just them aiming too much at foreign Bullet Club fans? Look, they see the success. I mean, that's the only logical explanation I can give. Because, you know, the direction that the company is going, I mean, what, what other reason could there be? They feel that in this direction gives them the best possibility to be profitable. I, I you know, in, in, in t- but, but here's the thing, too. Even with that said, you had Okada that had a pretty miraculous streak of big gates and, and buildings being filled while he was champion. You know, is, is Kenny Omega? leading that charge into the future is he the guy that you're going to hang your hat on and again contracts are one thing to, to to worry about as we move up to the dome season we all know that but i'm just saying that even if we moved forward i mean i think there's a there's a little bit of skepticism on on some people's parts that you know okada really was was the guy that was 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 making that happen at least in, on a on a japan point of view a japanese point of view yeah, I did want to pick your brains on that later, but this list of champions that we've got in the current booking at the moment, what do you think the Japanese fans make of all this? They don't like it. Again, the feedback I got was, you know, large, and again, it's just a small sample size, mind you. Uh, they were not happy, and these are these are fans that have the, that have watched the product for a, a, a long time. They're not new fans. They're, 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 they've been around, so maybe they they have a little preconceived notion of what J- New Japan should be or what it, they want out of it. But it feels like it's the same thing that that me, you, and a lot of others feel the same way. It's 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 it's. I'm not gonna lie. It's a little troubling. So yeah, looking at that, looking at the current lineup that we have right now of, of champions, and again, some things might change, and and it might be all about turning the corner and having all those people lose at Wrestle Kingdom. That could possibly be it. But as we stand here right now in the beginning of October, you're looking at that that the, the, the top guys in the promotion, and it's a far cry from you know, the days of Shibata and uh, you know, uh, uh, Okada and you know the Okada that we're accustomed to, may, may I say. Uh you know, it's a, it's a far cry from just two years ago. Um, again, maybe they're just looking at the dollar signs and and what they feel would be profitable to them from an expansion point of view. But this is this is one of those things that that is very divisive. And here's the thing: you put that poll out, right? You know, you know, looking at a, at a main event at King of Pro Wrestling, and we'll get there shortly. I I was I was shocked at literally the split. Not the numbers, but the split of people that were pro and con. And that kind of speaks to what we're talking about here. Right down the middle. And it's and it, that, to me, is is very telling. Yeah, 51% bad it ended up on 334 votes. So that, first of all, it's remarkable how close it was. But the fact that so many people are down on this is not a good sign. Yeah. And, and 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 I saw one comment from one of our listeners, and I, I, I give them credit if I can remember names. But you know, it was you know the people that are are upset about it are people that are watching Road Two shows and watching other shows and all that, and the people who are giving it a thumbs up are 
you know, they're in and out for the the big shows, and they're watching clips online, you know, through Twitter or what have you. That, that they don't have a problem. So uh, maybe that speaks volumes. Maybe that that really hits the nail on the head. I don't know the answer to that, but um, for it to be so split down the middle, uh, it it almost feels like you know we're talking politics, <laughs> right? There is no gray area. It's either this or this, and um, that's what we're kind of got right now. Okay. Well, let's quickly touch on the main event of this show which was a really excellent tag match between uh, the Golden Lovers Kota Ibushi Kenny Omega who defeated the team of Tomohiro Ishii and Kazuchika Okada in 23 minutes after a golden trigger now this was a really good match but they did it again Damon they're both people pinning Ishii at the end you're not allowed to do that that's cheating (laughs) I know that is one of those things that really drive you crazy isn't it drives me crazy too Um, great match fantastic match Again, over four for me. Um, great action. Tremendous uh, work by, by everybody involved. And again, the names that are on the list are, yeah, how can you go wrong? Um, I think the crowd did well because it was a long night for them, too. Let's, let's give them credit as well. They were noisy and up for it throughout. And, and again, it was about midnight, finally, when I was turning off this show. So they were they were they were they were into it too. Um, are you are you okay? Not okay. That's K. Okay, maybe maybe it's not the word I'm looking for. Are you satisfied with the Golden Lovers, Kenny, Abushi, Cody, Bullet Club? Are 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 you okay with this storyline and where it is and where it goes and and what what this means to storylines moving forward? How do you feel about this? I feel that it's been overexposed. I really think it was a mistake to do Ibushi against Omega in the G1. I felt that that's a match they should have kept on ice and saved for a big occasion, either an MSG or a Dome. And the fact that they've done it once and the fact that they will be meeting again in a triple threat, I think has really devalued that, which I think was one of the biggest money matches that they had. And throwing yeah. Cody into it, I've I've got zero interest in it. So when they're they're cutting, you know, Kenny Omega is in the ring and he's cutting his promo and he acknowledges the <laughs> yellow seats and he uh, talks about how he wants to change pro wrestling and and you know this is his vision of pro wrestling and he mentions you know finally we're going to have that match and I'm not going to lie I was ready for bed before that point but i'm watching this and listening to this interview and now i'm excited i'm like ah oh, shit we're finally going to get it and it's king of pro wrestling mind you in you know five nine date whatever it was uh but i was like okay we're getting it we're, we're, we're fantastic and then cody hops in the ring and i i'm not gonna lie it was just deflating it really was one um, of these things is not like the other <laughs> one of these yeah. things doesn't belong uh, look, it was it was it's not what we wanted. It really wasn't. But away we and go. The, the, way that, the fact that they teased the singles match before they announced a triple threat. What yeah. a dick move that was. Get everyone excited yeah, if, and then snatch it away from them. Yeah. Wasn't that weird? Like like and he even acknowledges it that, you know, oh, this is what we wanted, but now we're gonna try and make this work because you know, it was like weird to me. Like like it, it sounded to me like a guy who was unhappy with what was happening, 
and the direction moving forward. Didn't it? Like, like in the past month or two, maybe a little bit, you know, maybe a month is more accurate, but if you know, you listen to words coming out of Kenny Omega's mouth, and boy, are they dripping with, I don't want to go so far as to say passive aggressiveness toward the company, but it does really feel like it's like, man, he's 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 finding ways to give little tiny little tiny jabs, little tiny nips, little tiny nip, um, to the company. And that, that that's not a positive feeling to keeping him around. Um, I, I, I feel that. I, I feel some of his frustrations. Now, again, maybe he d- did. I don't know. Who the fuck knows, man? Um, it, it just it felt weird. It, it felt odd to dangle the carrot in front of people's mouths and then pulling it away and then Cody involved and they're all f- good friends and everything's hunky-dory. But, boy, f- I don't know. I'm just I didn't feel that one at all. We had a question from at Webhead1984 that just says, Why Cody? And I, you know, you could interpret that on different layers. It could be directed at Cody himself, Why Cody? Or it could be, Why Cody? So I'm pretty much in agreement there. The man gets two IWGP heavyweight title shots in the space of three months. That's three title shots within the last 15 months. Uh, I did last see one comment from Matt that said it will be great. Cody will win and have three titles and will defend them all on January 4th in a renamed event called Wrestle Cody. It does seem like the direction that we're going in. Yeah. I mean, to me, him headlining these US shows is fine. Like, I thought that was a perfect role for him where they can have a big main event that's going to mean a lot in the States without blowing uh, a money match that the Japanese fans will want to see. But now that he's headlining a Japanese show and this is one of their quote-unquote big four shows that's crossing a line for me but again having said that it seems that a lot of casuals are excited about this judging by the split in the poll um i did get a a conspiracy theory here from wh park who i mentioned earlier let's see what you think about this so he says that uh thinking about the three-way he thinks omega politicked adding cody to that he leveraged his contract from coming up to prevent new japan from wasting that match next week so do you think it could have been that gato really wanted to do omega versus ibushi but omega managed to convince him to put cody in it to preserve the singles match possibly yeah i mean there's always been that talk and i think kenny mentioned that in a in an interview previous where you know that they New Japan wanted them to have that match, and they 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 couldn't agree on a time and a place, and to make it feel right for everybody involved. So, it, it might have been just the reverse here in in this situation. So, yeah, uh, look, uh, people, are, I see that online where people are talking about, you know, they want to save, they're, they're they're doing this to save that match. The kids, you might not even get that match, you know, at the end of the day, right? It might not even happen uh, in a New Japan ring. So. Fingers crossed everything gets worked out with contract-wise, but it does seem like it was um, it was a weird scenario. Um, I'm going to ask you a question to wrap up the Cody, Kenny, Abushi kind of thing. Kenny Omega always talks about his vision for pro wrestling and, 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 and his you know idea of what pro wrestling should be, and he's going to share that with the masses. One, what, what, is, what exactly does that mean? like his vision of pro wrestling. And two, are you in on this? Are you are you are you okay with this? Are you a fan of of what this vision that Kenny Omega has laid out for what pro wrestling is? Are you a fan of that? 
initially I thought it was something to do with the fact that he wanted to put basically a gay love story out there in mainstream media which I thought was what he meant when he was saying change the world but now I don't know what he's talking about and like honestly I might be the only person who's thinking this but it might not be the worst thing in the world if he did leave and end up with WWE now having said that the fact that he's been going on about Omega versus Ibushi deserving a bigger venue than Budokan, and he's going to sound like a bit of a twat if he does sign with WWE before delivering that match but just all this stuff that's going on I'm, I'm sick of talking about it to be honest so if he and the Bucks and the rest of them ended up back with WWE you know it might not be the worst thing in the world for New Japan as they survived after um, Nakamura and AJ Styles and Anderson and Gallows left they restocked and they used some people that they had waiting in the wings I think a similar thing could happen here so I'm not saying that will happen but if it does happen I wouldn't be crying myself to sleep let's put it like that Joel I'm I'm not going to lie you are not the first person who has said that to me and I got to give credit to uh, Mackie on this one Moondog Mackie, Brian Mackie whatever Uh, he texted me a lot of what you're saying and a lot of the feelings that you have and again his thought process was you know what at this point match quality aside i i might be okay with him jumping ship and you're saying it and i've heard other people say it they new japan will survive trust me they will it i and i don't think this is gatekeeperishness I really don't, but I'm 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 feeling some of that for the first time. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I'm feeling that a little bit. Um, that's not a good feeling, right? Where it's like you know what I'm kind of. So I wonder what do people think. I wonder I wonder the wonder the feedback of would you be okay. Knowing where we are right now, if Kenny, Bucks, Cody, all of that said, you know what, we're going WWE. I wonder. I wonder if they would be. I wonder how you everyone would feel about that. I would like to hear from listeners. See what you guys think about that. Uh, I mean, as far as this match goes at King of Pro Wrestling, I don't know what other options there were. I mean, what else could you have done? You could have had, I don't know, Kenny defending it in a, a random singles match against Zack Sabre Jr. or something. I don't think the Japanese fans care about Cody, do you? Um, not Nothing more than, you know, a, a middle-of-the-car guy. I don't think they, they're, they're like, they're, like, like, listen, definitely below an LIJ. I, I truly believe that. Definitely below a Tanahashi. Definitely below an Ibushi. Definitely below a, um, again, middle-card guy. So this is a big risk, putting him in a position like this. And I think part of the issue is something similar that UFC have been struggling with in recent years. Uh, they're spread too thinly. They've got so many shows and so many different masters to answer to that they seem to be finding it difficult to put on compelling shows with with good main events that make sense storyline-wise. So if we look at the last two US shows with Kenny as the champion, the fact that they haven't sold out, how much of that do you think is on him or how much of that is the fact that the the cards were not as strong or they were late announcing the cards? I guess we're going to have to wait until Wrestle Kingdom 13 to see how that sells and King of Pro Wrestling 
to see how that does in terms of tickets. And you mentioned it earlier, comparing it to Okada, who sold out these shows despite similar hurdles. Maybe Kenny is just overexposed. Um, he the other stuff that he's done this year, like the CEO show that he did off his own back, that was a flop. Also, in his defence, his big rivals have been off the table for various reasons. Okada's having this broken Okada gimmick where he's got his own retribution thing to go through. Um, Tanahashi obviously is getting the title shot, so he's off the table until Wrestle Kingdom. Naito is just floundering in the mid-card for no apparent reason. So the fact that th- those three names have not been around to feud with Kenny while he's had the belt, I think there's something to say about that. But I mean, back to my original question, the fact that these shows are not selling out, how much of that do you put on Kenny? Well, I mean, everybody seems to put that on the, the, the guy that's holding the big strap, right? So... Um, and, and, uh, when you, when you look at that person, you're, you're kind of saying, okay, that's the direction the company is, is moving in. Right. So it's, it, it, that, that all plays a factor. Um, now I will say that it, there is a, a, a data set that is, you know, not, I don't think there's enough data right right now. Um, and I think all those factors that you talked about earlier played a factor, whether it's. Hey, you don't know the, the the gate, or excuse me, you don't know the show, you don't know the the lineup, you don't know who's going to be there. You, a lot of different things, right? So a lot of different things are playing into that. But at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, he's on top. He's the direction of the company, and and the numbers are are what the numbers are. I think one of the big things will be uh, one if King of Pro Wrestling ticket sale. Now, right, as of right now, correct me if I'm wrong. King of Pro Wrestling is not sold out, correct? I you got to so. unmute. Okay. So um, it is. I don't believe it is sold out as of the time of our recording right now. So that with, with the announcement of the show, right, um, that's going to determine the success of this main event with Kenny in it, right? So if people have if – the, if the walk-up happens and they sell out, away we go. Or the numbers are better than previous years, then, okay, there we go. If they are the same – I would say okay, it's a push. If, obviously, if if it's lower, then okay, you gotta you gotta you gotta question something. Then after that, it's the growth of what they have for Wrestle Kingdom. Now, again, Omega and Tanahashi is a protected main event, right? It's something that they um, have at the top of the show for a reason. And I'm not saying that it's Tanahashi, but there is it's going to be telling if that that number that they drew last year is is improved upon with them on top so again to sum it up time will time needs to be uh they need to be given more time for me to to definitely say omega and the direction is eh, it's it's more of a of a of a of a fandom question as opposed to a money fandom or excuse me a money point and a business point of view as of right now but again i think the beginning of that the feedback I get on this on this mobile phone that, that that's kind of kind of like a little tiny snapshot of some of the disenchantment people have with with the way things are going. All right, well, let's have a look at the card for King of Pro Wrestling, which will take place next Monday, October eighth, at Ryogoku uh, Sumo Hall, and we got our good friend Chris Charlton, who's going to be on commentary. So uh, it'll be very exciting to hear from him again, and you'll yes. get to hear. 
both of us at some point in the not too distant future appearing on his eggshells podcast so uh, how was your experience on eggshells what a great time i'm uh, and, I, and i'm kind of in and out muting because my church bells are going off because it's like noon right now <laughs> um i don't want everybody to get distracted um chris is wonderful uh had a great time um it's it's a quick good hour long conversation about wrestle kingdom 4 that we had and Again, he's a great host. He's it, it's it it was super simple. You know, you always worry about when you're guest doing guest spots and guest shots um, about how you know is is there going to be a flow? Is it going to be awkward? Is it going to be blah blah? Nah, Chris was on point, and uh, yeah, he made some whispers to me about uh, King of Pro Wrestling. Right, obviously, we couldn't talk about that. We let him do that do that uh, publicly, but uh, I told him flat out. I was like, you know, just. And I, you know, we were kind of talking about the experience of him being on the, the previous shows. And I said, man, look, I, I don't know one person. I didn't see one bit of feedback that came back negatively. Um, I said, just, and I know you were nervous and I know everything else, blah, blah, blah. But, but know that if you just do what you did before um, and you're going to get more comfortable doing that, you're, you're, you're gold. Um, and he will be gold. And I'm, I'm super happy for him. And uh, I'm super happy for the opportunities that that um, are, are being afforded to him. He deserves it. Eggshells is a great resource. It's one of those things that you know you pick up, you put down. You don't read it cover to cover necessarily, but you're kind of using it as a reference. You're like, ah, oh, that show, and that. Oh, let me watch that. That, show, that look, I forgot about that. Or so uh, good one, Chris. And, and you'll have a great time too. So trust me, you'll do great. Um, and I'm, uh, mine should be released. He said around uh, the beginning of November. Um, so kind of look for it then, and then I'm sure you'll either be before or after, so I don't forget how the schedule is, but you're right there. You're going to have a good time, Joel. If I was going to give him one piece of feedback to improve his uh, performance on the broadcast booth, it would be to plug the Super J-Cast, please. Yeah, please. That, I mean, right then and there, your credibility goes through the roof, so <laughs> please. Yeah, seriously, come on, somebody help us out here, please. Okay, King of Pro Wrestling. First match, we got the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship with the challengers Tiger Mask and Jushin Thunder Liger taking on the champions of El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. I'm seeing this more as a, a filler title defense. I think Suzuki Goon are retaining it and will probably keep it all the way to Wrestle Kingdom, which they will defend against the winners of the Junior Tag League, which I assume is going to be Sho and Yo. Um, how do you see this match going? Exactly the way you do. I'd be shocked if there was a title change and. Um... Yep, I think this is just a, a successful title defense, and away we go to Wrestle Kingdom with them as champions. Okay, second match, we've got Tomaki Honma and Togi Makabe against Tohinara and Juice Robinson. I would expect Honma and Makabe to reprise their tag team and enter the World Tag League. Um, Hinara and Juice, do you see that being a team, or do you think this is just a random pairing? Um, you know, everybody kind of speculated that Hinara would wind up somehow with firing squad. I um I don't have a problem with it. I think it's it, it, you know it's okay. I'm more concerned about GBH, um and and Honma kind of getting through this this uh, tag league. Hopefully they Again. don't cause any GBH to their opponents. <laughs> so it's it's that's troubling. It's it'd be something that we definitely want to keep an eye out on and uh, make sure that he is safe and he is. Um, able to get through these matches. Big difference between six-man tags and uh, just standard tag matches. So, fingers crossed there. I'm guessing they pick up the win to just heat them up for the tag league. Um, yep. They're going to get a pin over Hinari. Yep, absolutely. That's that's the uh, direction I see that. 
All right, the third match we got uh, Bullet Club, Chase Owens, Hangman Page, Nick Jackson, and Matt Jackson against the team of Taiji Ishimori, Tangela, Tamatonga, and Bad Luck Farley. How do you see that one playing out? I think it's going to be a good match. Um, uh, you know, but it seems it feels like we've seen it a trillion times before, though, right? Yeah, I was just wondering whether it's going to be another win for the Tongans just to solidify their position as the double champions of the tag division. I wouldn't be surprised. That, that, I mean, that that's I mean that you know again this Bullet Club faction thing. It's it you know it's really hasn't been that long. <laughs> truth be told, if it just feels like it has been. Uh, yeah, I think that's if if you're looking for a direction, that might be one. Um, I don't think you're going to get like Page and Chase getting a fluky win, but. Eh, anything's possible, but yeah, I would probably say it's G.O.D.'s the win. Still no junior partner for Ishimori, though. Yeah, yeah, I think they've got to sort that out rather quickly. Well, we should see that relatively soon. Somebody uh, stepping up and being his partner for the junior tag league. Okay, fourth match, we've got Will Ospreay, Hiroki Goto, and Tomohiro Ishii taking on the team of Takashi Izuka, Taichi, and Minoru Suzuki. Andrew Witch was speculating that perhaps Young Will gets a pin over Taichi, setting up a Taichi against Osprey uh, never openweight title match where Osprey takes the belt off of Taichi, leading to Osprey versus Ibushi for the never openweight title at Wrestle Kingdom. What wow. do you say to that? Okay. I mean, listen, that's a direction I'd be thrilled with, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean... There, there has been lots of rumblings where they're trying to say Will is, you know, not going to graduate from the juniors and and make that step. That would be a nice little progression and having a Bushi Will for a Never title. I mean, we're all looking for the the change in direction for that Never title, so that's that would fit into that category for sure. So, uh, Andrew Rich, I'm I'm down if it happens. Your the fantasy booking sounds good to me. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But hey, I uh, we're all dreamers at one point, so let's let's hope let's let's hook our wagon to that star. Fifth match, we have got Sho Yo Toriyano and Kazuchika Okada taking on the Lij team of Bushi, Sonata, Tetsuya Naito, and X. I'm going to say it's Shingo, and I think Shingo gets the pin over Sho or Yo to establish Shingo and Bushi as an Lij Junior Tag Team, and I think that will be the final of the junior tag league. I think we're going to get Shingo and Bushi against Shoinyo in the final. Legit. You, I mean, I, you couldn't have read my mind anymore. It's exactly what I thought. And exactly the pinfall. And exactly the way we go. Watch it be nothing like that. <laughs> but... Uh, the new member of LIJ, Yoshihashi, and his magical <laughs> stick. <laughs> right. His, his, his scepter. Um... But yeah, that's that's exactly what I have. So I've written down on a notepad in front of me. So good job by you. Um, I'll I'll stick with those predictions as well. Sick match. We got special singles match between Evil and Zack Saber Jr. I would say I think Evil gets the win here, and then we get a Chris Jericho appearance. Although it wouldn't shock me if Zack picks up a win to give him some momentum going forward. But I, I think I'm going to go with Evil here. What do you think? I think so too. Only in, in the sense of it, it feels like at every turn, Zach has gotten the better of him. On post match interviews, you know he's comparing himself to Susie and the Banshees, which uh, got a big pop from me. Um, and Evil, you know, taking falls and it, you know we people like to throw around the term getting his win back. I just feel like that's 
I can only be that. And then, yeah, and, and if there's going to be a beatdown, I know that you you kind of retweeted a uh, a Chris Jericho tweet of what wrestling is boring now or something along those lines. Yes. And then you responded back with, "Well, he's definitely making a run in." Um, so yeah, let's go with that. Let's let's say that Chris uh, hops on a aeroplane and makes it over, and uh, he makes a surprise. And maybe that reheats that evil feud. Um, and again, does he defend before uh, Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, let's say uh, he what? he defends successfully against Evil at Power Struggle, and then takes Naito. on Naito at the Dome. That's I think that's where everybody's kind of looking at. So uh, let's see if that plan uh, pees off here at King of Pro Wrestling. All right, seventh match, we've got the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship Tournament Final with Kushida against Marty Skull. I can't really see past them putting the belt back on Kushida because he's a nice, safe option, and maybe Kushida goes on to defend it against, I don't know, Ishimori or someone at the Dome. Uh, do you think there's any chance Marty Skull wins this? I don't, but that just means even strongly that they give him the title. <laughs> it's really... Because every, every, to me, every sign points to Kushida, but... Um, they they'll, they'll like to give a little monkey wrench every once in a while. So, but I'll stick with Kushida. Yep, taking the title and then defending it successful, or maybe not, maybe not successfully, but defending it at the dome. Eighth match for preliminary match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at the Tokyo Dome. The rights holder G1 Climax 28 winner Hiroshi Tanahashi defending his shot against the challenger Jay White. Uh, I don't see there's any way that Jay White wins this match, but again, a good chance here for Jay White to show that he can deliver in a big semi-main event spot and put on the kind of match that we hope that he can. It's weird because, uh, to me, I don't know if either one of them can afford a loss, right? To have Jay White lose center of the ring without any shenanigans, right, seems strange to me. So it kind of feels like uh, Okada is involved in this match in some way, shape, or form. Um, to kind of further along that storyline and and Jay White and Okada at the Dome. So uh, I do think Tanahashi wins, and I do think at the end of the day, the briefcase or the certificate is successfully defended twice by Tanahashi, and we get Okada, excuse me, Omega and uh, Tanahashi at the Dome. Uh, but I do feel like somewhere Okada is in the mix in this match somehow. So whether that's a positive or negative to people, we'll see. Uh, but that would be mean back-to-back matches where, again, maybe not interference in the evil match, and that's more of a post-match beatdown. Uh, I still think somehow Okada gets involved in this match to help further along the storyline. And the main event, we've got IWGP Heavyweight Triple Threat Championship match with Kenny Omega defending against Cody and Kota Ibushi. Tyler says if the three-way was a crisp flavor, what would it be? Now, I would say these are, would be two flavors that go really well together combined with a third that doesn't. So something like wasabi plus soy sauce plus cheeseburger or something like that, where just the third one just should not be there and ruins everything. Um, what do you think the ceiling is on this? Because honestly, I think we're getting another three-star Cody special. No, no. I, I think the match will be good. I really do. I think, I, I, I think once again... I. My biggest fear is that it's it's worked in that Americanized style of, you know, one guy takes a powder outside the ring, two guys hit all their spots, boom, one of those two guys take a powder, the next, you know, you know that that same thing. But I think the I think Abushi and Omega are a little bit more creative and I think you know, it feels to me that they they are you know, 
this this doesn't happen very often, especially a a, a heavyweight title match in, in a in a three way dance or triple threat or whatever the frig you want to call it. Um, there's a reason for that, <laughs> but uh, okay. Well, I mean, they're not that great. And here's the thing too. All right, so again, the, and I don't know the answer to this question. Maybe someone can help us with that. If Cody pins Abushi, would he then be the champion? Yeah, that's how triple threats work. Okay, I mean, I'm asking. I mean, do you have to pin the champion? No, no, you don't. That's confirmed. Yeah, that's okay. how triple threats sure. work, isn't it? I don't. I mean, in some cases, yes. Um, which, which, which. I don't like to be truthful. <laughs> I mean, you, I feel like you have to, and that's one of the reasons why people are kind of down on, if that's the case, that's one of the reasons why people might be down on a triple threat, right? It's just the idea of the heavyweight title being lost by someone else pinning someone else. That's, you know, the champion's not involved, whatever. Okay. Uh, no, but I think the match will be very good. I mean, the talent in the ring can, can, can do what it needs to do. And I think, uh, it'll be, over and above three stars, that's for sure. Well, this is my maths equation here. Uh, Ibushi and Cody, good match. Ibushi and Kenny, great match. Cody and Kenny, bad match. So they need to use Ibushi as a kind of buffer between Kenny and Cody and just have uh, all points in the match. You know, first half of the match will have Ibushi wrestling Kenny and the second half of the match, Ibushi wrestling Cody. So I don't want Kenny or Cody to interact at all in this match, but that's probably not going to happen. Uh, yeah. Interesting question here from Nicole, who says, what are the odds that Cody puts the US belt on the line in the least sexy three-way and Kenny wins, thus unifying the US belt with the IWGP? Like, surely they wouldn't ditch the US belt this early on. Yeah, they wouldn't do that. Um, I don't think that I don't think that would be a smart thing to do. I mean, r- you know, not much time under, under the belt's belt. Uh... And again, we only have a handful of days to make that announcement. So now I think uh, I think he'll come to the ring with with both of his newly won titles. But this is just for the heavyweight championship. Uh, Michael says, "What should main event King of Pro Wrestling? Jay Tanahashi or Kenny Ibushi Cody? Do you think they might have been better off putting Jay White against Tanahashi on last?" Yeah. Um, I mean, the t- you're, you're, if, if you're going to have a heavyweight title match, that, that goes on last. So, I mean, that's, but if they didn't have it, yeah, I mean, that would, he- I would say that would headline. So I don't know. I just, it's just the idea of a triple threat match that I'm just having a little trouble wrapping around and, and truth be told, Cody's involvement in it. It's just, uh, it's, it's, uh. <laughs> that's the best I can say. The match will be good, but again, the troubling part is this: what, what does this mean moving forward? So we shall see. And of course, there's some issues with the predictability of the the G1 title shot defense briefcase thing. Um, NJPW thoughts ask: Is it time to do away with the G1 briefcase, or at least make it for the King of Pro Wrestling title shot rather than the Wrestle Kingdom title shot? Hmm. I mean, it does a- a- allow you to get other people in the mix. Again, I have no problem with this year's briefcase, right? It's it probably the biggest complaint I would have had would have been years past where, you know, the title defenses really weren't, you know, you, you, again, evil's not headlining the Dome a year ago. Um, in this case, 
Tanahashi and Jay White. Listen, they're doing everything in their power to make Jay White look strong, incredible, and, and so forth. And again, I still think that somehow Okada is in this mix so that you know Jay White doesn't lose a lot of his luster moving forward, um, picking up a pinfall loss to Tanahashi. Okay, a question from at Ingobernablus20. Does it make any sense for Cody to get two IWGP title matches in the span of three months when he only no. does less shows, but Naito only gets one and is feuding with Suzuki-gun in a mid-card role? And also, what's the logic behind making the junior final two of the guys who got the least votes in the poll? Uh, we touched on some of those before, but why do you think Cody keeps getting these shots? Cause Especially in he... Japan. Again, they think that he is, is, is means profitability. I mean, that, why would they give it to anybody? Um, and especially in this role. Listen, he has done a remarkable job of resurrecting his, dare I say, flat career um, and making something of himself outside of normal channels. Um, you know, name me another guy that's that's been that successful. I, I, I can't... You can count them on one hand, right? So... They see that, you know, and they see a sold-out crowd in Chicago, and they see, um, you know, what he means to profitability and and bottom line. And I I really think that that's what they think people want. And in the long run, they might be right, but I don't know. Yeah, I I think, I think. I don't want to say that they are alienating people that have been with them for the longest time, but they're they're getting people to ask those questions, and, and even us here too. So I think it's a fair point. Okay, and the final question for today from Ben. Assuming Kenny carries the title into Wrestle Kingdom, how would you book the title and G1 towards the expected Okada-Naito rematch in 2020, or does it end up as Okada Omega 5? So let's assume that they hand a book to us and say undo all of this nonsense take away the bad tastes and make it better i think given that there's a lot of bad feeling and and mistrust directed towards the booking at the moment they should lean into that and go like as into all the the bullet club stuff keep the titles get loads of the u.s guys holding championships or the western guys until everyone's just about to go mad and get sick of it and then finally have uh, the the regular guys coming back to get the titles off of them and uh, have Naito may, maybe at Dominion next year have like a, a clean sweep where maybe a few LIJ guys and maybe you get some maybe returning Shibata or someone coming up and taking some key belts off of those guys and see them off and boot them out of the company uh, so I- <laughs> what, what would you say to that how would you book it going forward look I mean to me it, it- it's it, the proof's in the pudding of when it comes to an LIJ is that that they have to be back in the mix, right? So they have to be in a more prominent role and they have to be a cornerstone of, of, of a promotion. If in fact, you know, that's how we're going to rehabilitate right now, there's really been no proof that that's going to be the case. Um, we're speculating that it's Naito and Jericho um, and Naito, you know, pulls out a win and gets his redemption um, in a year-long story arc. But um, that that that's where those are the people that I would 
gravitate toward if in fact we're trying to make a big splash in the sense of we're 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 moving a direction or we're moving a feeling of of westernization and and here's the thing too i really think lij could maybe not just as much but i really don't think you take a a back step if you if you hitched your wagon to lij 